I'm reading a, a very old book. I like reading the old stuff. And the gospel is still pure. <laughs> um, by an Argentinian pastor. Um, the book's name is Disciple. And he's really a, a purist. Um, I mean, even back in, in those days, like it was like the 60s, they, they struggled with the same things in the church that we struggle with. But I think we are, our things are just so much more augmented. Um, almost a kind of westernization of, of Christianity, if you want to call it that. Um, I think some people would criticize that you must keep up with the times and go with the flow and um, even in that time, one of the things, one of the chapters that I just read in this week uh, was about our ability or actually our inability, the church's inability to sing a new song unto the Lord. To praise Him because our hearts are full of it and not because it stands on the board. And God had a massive problem with Israel who praised Him with, with words and lyrics and tunes and poems that other people wrote and they just recite them. He says, you praise me with your lips but your hearts are far removed from me. And I think we've lost that ability. Even I'm checking myself. If I don't open up a book or even the Bible to praise out of, I've got nothing to say. But do I have the ability, have I cultivated that stream in my heart where, where my heart is so full of praise that it just keeps flowing of praise for God? Do we have a revelation once again? Do we have a revelation of God? Do we have a revelation of His majesty? Do we have a revelation... So I started, to help me with that, I started reading another book of uh, A.W. Tozer. Oh, that guy. About, about the attributes of God. Oh, and it's blowing me away. Just thinking about His immensity. Thinking about the fact that He's, that he's unending and that there is there is, there is no end to him. There's no end. There's no beginning. And, and I realize that, that even in our praise, we praise God according to our understanding and our, our boxes and, <coughs> and what we experience. According to our human experience. And, and there's this thing inside of me that what might say, there's so viel meer. And my heart is yearning for that more. And and my desire is for all of us to walk into that more. One of the things that I came back with from the conferences, excuse, I could be a kill. One of the things that I came back with was actually um, in the first conference with, with the leaders. Uh, one one of the things the Lord spoke into my heart is to preach more about 
the, re- the revelation of God, who God is. I think for the past two years, we've, I've been focused so much on, on lifestyle and how to do Christianity and how to live Christianity and, and all that. And I realized that if that balance isn't right, then that becomes a burden. If we do not have a revelation of who God is, if we do not have a revelation of His heart, if we do not have a revelation of, of His fullness, then, uh, then all we have is, is tasks and religion and trying to live up to something that we don't even understand. How can we live up to the character and, and essence of who God is if we don't know Him? So I personally am going on, on this journey to try to... I don't think I'll ever understand God. But for my spirit to be filled with the knowledge of His essence. And for that, it's crazy. I, I actually thought I should preach about this and then <coughs> somehow just... So I don't know, maybe let's go... Filled with with the knowledge of who He is. And, and we, find, we find the knowledge, the revelation of who He is in the Word. But we find the illumination, the, the spiritual understanding of the revelation through the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth about the Word in our hearts. And without the Holy Spirit revealing who God is in my heart, all I have is the letter. And Paul says the letter kills. But the Holy Spirit gives life. So I need this and I need time in the presence of God. I need time to, to literally just do nothing, say nothing, allow Holy Spirit to reveal God to me so that I can have a revelation of who He is. And that should change me from the inside out to start living, bearing the fruit. And then it makes sense that Jesus says, unless you are engrafted in me, unless you are planted in me, unless you abide in me, you cannot bear fruit. And I think we've seen, I'll go there just now, but I think we've seen too much of, of bearing fruit that doesn't come from within in the church and among ourselves. And the world is not buying it. So, so my, my vision for us is, is that we will have a revelation of God. This morning I came across this psalm Psalm 63. <laughs> yes. O oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. In this world, there is nothing this world gives. Nothing this world gives that can give me life. 
Dat is niks wat hier die wereld mij kan geven, wat mij kan laten leven nie. At best, it can help me survive. At best. Ek kan ek my kop oor die water hou. This land, this earth, this world, this system is a parched and weary land. Dan gaan hy aan. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And then as David always likes to just remind God of his enemies. See, but those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. <laughs> It's amazing how he had this like beautiful love relationship with God. See, but those who don't love you, Lord, strike them. <laughs> so that's not the part I want to focus on. Can you see what happens to his heart because he has seen the Lord in his sanctuary? It's not enough for us guys to play religion. It's not enough for us to to play church. This is Psalm 63. So I, w- I want to this morning talk about one of the attributes of God. And I wanted to go into His, his magnitude and His majesty and His immensity and, and all of that, but I think we'll, we'll get there later. Maybe I need a bit more revelation on it. But there's one thing I believe we must understand about God. We must more than understand it. Ons moet hierdie grijp in ons harte. And I I actually don't have the words. (laughs) But let's very simply put, and I wish I could say it in a way that that it could enter your heart and and explode (coughs) with an abundance of life and seeds of life and grow. I wish I could, Holy Spirit can do that. For the word of God is a two-edged sword that can pierce between bone and marrow. So may the word of the Lord come and pierce us in our hearts this morning. To, to plant something in our hearts that is 
I think this has been said so much that we don't even hear it anymore. But here's, the, here's one of the most crucial attributes that I believe we must understand and believe about God for every single one of us sitting here this morning. God is yearning after you and your heart. He's completely if, if, he, if he were human he would be beyond himself with desire for you to have you close to have you in a state of oneness with Him. He is not okay with having any one of us just on the fringe of relationship with Him. Just dabbing, just checking in, just saying, how is it, you know, from a distance, sending a WhatsApp once a month to say, leef jy nog? Luke 15, Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God and, and, and we read it from, from our perspective and we see us, we see, we see also how we, we, we uh, typically we see it, what we must do. <laughs> but I read something completely different in this, uh, this morning. So the parable, first he says, the parable of the lost sheep. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often come to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, eating with them. Immediately there I see the love of God. That he does not care about what other people say. All he wants is to be close to those he loves. So Jesus told them a story. Okay, now this is the, the context is that they're complaining that Jesus is spending time with the wrong people. So Jesus tells them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So we, we immediately in our hearts, we, like we say, we, we think about the sheep, we think about the lost one, we think about, you know, and, and in our hearts we also get this call, okay, we must go after the one and we must have evangelism and all that. 
Do we see the heart of God? That He is not okay with even one of us not being close. Even one of us putting ourselves in a place outside of His protection. Jesus explains, he explains, like a mother hen who gathers the chicks around her wings. Won't God be like that? <coughs> God is after your heart. He is after you and he is not okay. It is, there's, there's, he will not let it go. He will not let you go and be just on the fringe. He is working day and night in your life and in those lives that are lost to bring them in to Him. And He will do whatever it takes. And He has proven it. Ne? Then he goes on, he tells a second story. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins. Ten silver coins <clears throat> and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and her neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do we understand what happens in heaven when we come to the Lord? When we come for a visit? When we, when we close off everything else and we say, I'm going to just spend some time with you, Lord. See, we've come to this place where, where we've made spending time with, Lord, with the Lord a, a, a religious chore. It's something that we must do. If I don't do it, then it will not go with me today. No. So at 10 o'clock, the first pawpaw hits the fan. Oh, it's because I didn't spend time with God this morning. I don't know, it's not you. I don't know, it's just... That's religious thinking. I find myself in that. I find myself sometimes feeling guilty because I was too tired to get up at 5 o'clock to spend time with Him. And then things don't go accordingly and I, there's something in the back of my mind, this trained thing that says, oh, Sinye, you lost your blessing today. Come on. Yeah, you have extra perspective because I'm not covered today. That's our thinking. 
And then he goes on to tell this beautiful parable of the two sons. Actually, of the lost son. But I, I see the two sons in that, and that's what I want to bring to us this morning. And I've, I've given these sons names. The oldest son I've called performance. And the younger son I've called independence. So performance and independence were the two sons of this farmer. See, a man had two sons, performance and independence. And the younger son, independence, told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, independence, the younger son, packed all his belongings and moved uh, to a distant land. And there he wasted all the money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him um, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, I even, um, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So let's just stop there and let's just talk about, about independence. If we don't have a revelation of who God is, if we don't have a revelation that He is the only source of life, He is the only, only through Him can we be fulfilled, only through Him can we experience true fullness of life, life in abundance, as Jesus puts it. It's easy for us to go and say, let me go try it on my own. Let me do life on my own. We watched a wonderful thing yesterday at the men's conference. Um, Jack Frost telling us his, his life story and and how he came from being completely independent because he had to be that way to survive in life to where pretty much God made his life or brought him to the point where he was completely depleted of himself because he kept saying this thing, I cried out to God for help. But I was too strong to receive His love. I was too strong to find His love. I cried out to God, but I was too strong. 
I was independent in my heart. I thought I can do it on my own. I thought I don't need this house anymore. I don't need to be your son anymore. I don't need to be in this environment anymore. I don't need this because I can make it on my own. We ministered to a young guy yesterday that had um, diabetes. <clears throat> I'm saying had because I believe the Lord touched him. But he, he said at a one point, he was so disappointed that he just decided, I'm going to fight this on my own. And after a while I said, so how, you know, how is that going for you? <laughs> Fighting on your own. He's given up. Independence. And I'm wondering how many of us are, are filled with that thing in our heart that still says. Lillian always, she, she says about, she was in Germany for a year. And. Uh, she always talks about the Germans who call Christians that they need a crutch. The only thing you need God for is because you need a crutch. I don't need a crutch. I need a wheelchair. I need a bed. I need someone to carry me all day long. I need God. Because outside of God, we have nothing. But we can only realize that if we know His heart for us. We can only realize that if we know that God desires with everything in Him, alles in Him, that He wants to be your source of life. Imagine the shame this son then felt, eh? He's gone. He tried to do it on his own. It failed miserably. Who has done that before? Who's tried to do it on your own and then it failed miserably? Now the enemy is very clever. He comes and he says, Sin ye no. First, he entices you. You don't need God. It's like what he did to Adam and Eve. Just eat this tree, you'll be like him, then you don't need him anymore. Be independent. Decide for yourself what is good and what is bad. Why do you need God to tell you what is good and bad? Just eat this tree, then you know what's good and bad. Be independent. You can make it on your own. And they decide to be independent and immediately life leaves them. The life of God. The spirit of truth. And now they need to know good and bad through the things they suffer. Not because the spirit reveals it to them. So independence learnt what it means to be without, outside of the house of God, outside of the Father's house through the things He suffered. 
And then he felt terrible, terrible, terrible shame. Wie van ons het al shame gevoel weer iets in ons verlede? Iets het ons al aangevang het? So he say, okay, I will come to you, I'll come back home, but I'm not worthy to be called your son. Still that little thing of independence. I'll come, but I will work for what I need to receive from you. I will work for my food. I will work for, for just this privilege of being in your house. I, I will work for your covering, your protection. I will work just to be there. That's what shame does. The shame in us, the shame of our sins, the shame of our sinfulness, the shame of our human nature also puts that thing forward that says, okay, I will, I will serve myself into your good books. Weet al dit gevoel van vir God, nee? Come on, I will serve myself into your good books. If I don't do it well enough, then... I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant, and we do that with God. So he returned home to his father, and now he is the heart of God. The heart of God is not setting standards and voorwaardes. Okay, you can come back, but you must do this, you must do this, you must do this, and you must do this, and if you do it well enough, then I will give you this, and I will give you food, and I will give you clothes, and I will allow you to, once a month, do something you enjoy. That's not the heart of God. while he was still a long way off. Het al veel as a kind gekyk. Nee? O oh, nena, <laughs> van die goalie daai tyd, wat is daar nou my veel as a kind? Dan kom Benjamin door aan, dan begin sy skree, Nena! Sit aan die kind daar, Benjamin is terug! <laughs> Yes, dan sy bly vir hy laat hy wat terugkom huis toe. Want sy wacht en wacht en wacht vir hom. So the Father's heart is yearning after us. Standing, waiting. Do you know that the Lord cannot wait for you to come to him in the morning? He, 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 he's, he's desiring your presence. Our presence. Ek is nie uitgesluiting. Dankie, Jere. He's desiring our presence. He doesn't want us to come tick a box. He's waiting. 
Oh, if only my son would come and just spend a little time with me. Because I love him so much. I like him. I'm fond of him. Yes, I can swear lief that I like thee. One thing that Jack Frost said yesterday is, is that the, the, the thing is that we don't think that way about God is because we don't experience it among ourselves. He says at a young age, 11 years old, he opened up his heart to his father and his father rejected him. And now that's how he sees God. He said, oh, I want to go, but oh, he's going to reject me because I'm not good enough. I want to go because he's going to reject me because I'm still dirty, because I, I did this and this and this when I was like 20, 21. And that stain is still on me, so he's not going to like me. So let me rather just go work, just to be close. Let me go and serve him. Let me go and do my best in church. Let me go do my best like, and so that I can just please him a little bit. <clears throat> Maybe then I can come close. But the Lord says, I'm standing. I'm waiting at the gate. And when you're far off, I see you coming. And my heart starts pounding. My heart starts feeling, oh, there he comes. Here he comes. I'm so excited. My boy is coming to me. My girl is coming to me. I don't know if you consciously use the word like. Say again? I don't know if you consciously use the word like. But love has become such a thing that we don't quite Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. He does. He's fond of you. He, 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 get, he takes joy in you. He takes joy in net soos jy daar is. He looks at you. Psalm 139 says, How precious are your thoughts toward me. Warts and all. Scars and all. Mud and all. Alice, he likes you. He wants to be close to you. So while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now die perkie het nie gaan staan in bad en was en skoon kleren aantrek voordat hy huis toe gegaan het. Hij komt van die varkhoek af. En die dad erin kom en sê, ok, gaan eerst, laat hulle jou bad, laat hulle jou skeer, laat hulle jou skoon maak, en dan kan jy kom groet. He's dirty, hy's hongeis is in goes grabs him, holds him close, kisses him, my son. I've longed for you so much. I've longed for you. I'm so glad you're back. I've prayed and prayed and prayed that you would come back. 
that's now the man's perspective. <laughs> His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Ek wonder hoeveel van ons staan en probeer staan voor die Heere. But there's something in our hearts that is shouting out, you are not worthy to be called a son of God. How many of us here has that refrain in his heart and in his mind. You are not worthy. And this is what the Lord does. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. And I'm only realizing now Revelations says and he will take your scarlet robes he will take your robes that have been torn and have been dirtied and muddied and he will dress you in the finest white get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet all of that speaks about Identity into the house. Sonship. So a family would have a signet ring that would represent the emblem of the family. He says, you are not my servant boy. I'm putting my family ring on your finger. For those who come back into the kingdom, we also receive a signet ring. The seal of approval, which is the Holy Spirit. The guarantee that we will be saved and that we will receive the inheritance of the Father. Like Buzz. The rope and the ring, and the sandals. Put something on his feet. Also a, a sign of, of sonship, a sign of inheritance. And I had all these schoenen gedraan, nie, net reik mense het schoenen gedraan. Only those in the house, servants, kalfoot, Put something on his feet because he's my boy. And kill the calf we have been fattening. I think I part geweet. My son will return. And I like calf net for him fet gemak. Dis maar net my eer gedachte. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. My son was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost 
but now he is fined. So the party began. So that was independence. Some of us aren't independence. Some of us are performance. Maybe we've been independence and maybe we have now come into the house and we haven't received sonship and we've stayed in the place where we say, I'll be your servant. Performance. So performance came back. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields doing what? Working. Now, where my access is, I don't know He was working for his, for his food and for his inheritance and for everything that he thinks he will own one day. His inheritance. <coughs> when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother, performance, was angry. And he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, listen to these words, I have slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And the father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So if he wanted a goat to go and have a party with his friends, he could have just taken one of his own goats? Yes. How many of us find ourselves in this place? Where we find ourselves slaving for the church, for God. Slaving to receive the inheritance. Slaving to receive the goodness of God. And there I say it's slaving to receive the praise of men. Working. Where it is not God's heart ever that we work to receive anything from Him. 
You can either be a slave or a son. You can't be a slaving son. <laughs> you can either receive from God because God is good and He's love and He's full of love and He wants to, His desire is to give to you. And because of what Jesus Christ has paid and done. Or you can work or try to work for the goodness of God in your life. So what performance does is now it measures. Say, but I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And now here comes this guy who doesn't even deserve it. And you give him all the best. You give him all the best. You give him the calf. You give him the fine clothes. You give him the ring. You give him the sandals. And, and he's done nothing to deserve it. But I've worked so hard. And I haven't even gotten a little bit. That's what performance does. Religious mindset. Oh, that guy receives this and this and this and this in the Lord because he does this and this and this and this. Or I receive this and this and this. I'm at this place. I'm on this platform. I receive this gift. I receive this because I've done this and this and this and this. That's performance. Nie een van ons. Ek gee nie om how gifted you are. Ek gee nie om how good you are at whatever you do in ministry or how many people you even bring to Christ or whatever. I don't care. It is not because of you. not because of anything you have done. In fact, you can go and look. Berians, ek gaan die links opzet, kan ek maar die links opzet van Jack Frost te goed. He built a massive church in no time. Like, he, he was, he, he, he received the award in Carolina. He received, in some state in America, he received the award, like there should be something like that, for the fastest growing church in the state. He received the reward for like being the best this and best that and best that, all in ministry and all that, and that drove him and it drove him performance, performance, performance. And then he had one encounter with the love of God. One encounter to show him what sonship means. And then like Paul he could say, I count all these things garbage. Compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. I want to make this, yeah, I can't say. You can do nothing for the kingdom of God for the rest of your life and find yourself at the feet of Jesus and on the lap of God the Father daily and He will be more pleased with you than if you were to win a thousand souls every day. 
because he's not after your numbers, he's not after your performance, he's not after how many chapters you read a day, he's not after how many hours you pray, he's not after anything of that, he's after your heart. He wants you to know him. And the beautiful thing is that when you get there, when we come to that place, when we come to know Him as Father, when we come to that place where we are accepted by Him as, as Father, as Son, then all these other things start flowing naturally. Then you can't help yourself but go and tell somebody about the goodness of God. You can't help yourself but go and share the goodness of God to people and tell them about this loving Father you have and tell them and naturally out of that flows ministry. And the ministry that flows out of that leads to life and not condemnation and not failure and not um, disappointment. The churches are full of disappointed Christians because we have presented God as a marketing strategy or with a marketing strategy. That come to God and you will receive this and this and this and this. We have not presented the Lord. We have not presented God to people. We have presented benefits. And most of it are benefits that, that sort of gets the church makeup, if I can say it like that. And then you can't keep on with it long enough and then people get disappointed. But if we come to the heart of God, remember this morning when we prayed, Romans eight sixteen. Mm. The Spirit Himself bears witness. With That's us. right. That we are children of God. That we are children of God. The Holy Spirit testifies within your heart. Romans five five says. The hope does not disappoint before the love of God was shed abroad, poured out into our hearts by the Spirit. I want to, I want to, I don't know, urge us, challenge us. To lay aside independence and performance <coughs> and receive sonship. <coughs> How do we receive sonship? Through the Son. Because of what Christ has done. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21, 19, 20, 21. See, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation because God has reconciled you to Himself through the Son, through Jesus Christ. We read in the beginning of 15 what people will do to find what they have lost. The one sheep, the coin, the father waiting for the son. And he tells this to tell us just one thing. 
That is God. That is who He is. He is after you. He will look for you and search for you and turn the world around. And He did this through Jesus Christ. He did this by saying, I will take your sinfulness, whatever separates you from me, I will take it, remove it from you. I will put a new garment on you. I will put a new ring on you and I will call you my son. But we have to live in the fullness of that. We cast down everything that bears us down. And two of those things are performance and independence. So if, if, if you relate to any one of those two, I want you to, to stand with me and to cast it down. And yes, by the grace of God, it's, it, it is nimaklikni. Because our minds and our things have been programmed to perform and to be independent. But I want to encourage us to, every single day, just come to Him. In the beginning of your time with Him, say, Lord, here I am. Thank you that you call me your son. Thank you that I am your son because of Jesus Christ, not because I do the right things. Thank you that I'm your son because you love me and you yearn for me. Father, and I love you and I yearn for you. So here I am. Thank you for drawing me into you. Thank you for paying the price, Jesus, that I could be one with the Father as you are one. John 17. So come stand with me for the... Father, here we are, Lord, your sons and your daughters. Here we are, Lord. We are done with independence. We are done with performance. Father, forgive us for thinking that we can be slaves in your house. Thank, forgive us for thinking that we need to work for your sonship. We need to work to be in your house. We need to work for your uh, 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 protection we need to work for just your goodness to come over us we need to work lord forgive us for for believing that lord we now cast that all down in the mighty name of jesus christ and we put on your garment lord we put on your sandals we put on your signet ring saying that i am a son and a daughter of god i am a child of god and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will guide us and that you will lead us and that you will teach us to walk in nothing else, nothing other than true sonship. I pray that you teach us, Holy Spirit, to experience the fullness of the oneness which you have given us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can be part of you but be more than part of you like we can be in you in your family one with you because of Jesus Christ 
We just receive, Lord. We receive sonship this morning. Maybe we should just, just confess with our mouth that I am a son and I'm a daughter of the living God. I am one with Him. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you, would you do the mighty work, Lord, that, that my words fall so short of? Would you do the mighty work in our hearts? Thank you that you are the, the true life. You are the one that cuts deep and into marrow and bone. You are the one that plants truth in our hearts. And I ask, Holy Spirit, for every heart that is open, that you would, that you would reveal this truth in our hearts in the place where it can never be stolen, never be diminished. But I pray that this will grow in us. Father, I just want to thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you with words that, that are falling short, Lord, but I thank you that you desire us. I thank you that you want to be. You don't have to be. You don't need to be. You want to be close. Closer than the skin on our bones. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.